Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome back to our Wednesday night Bible study online. Uh, I have my guy, Luke Martin, up there on the controls doing a fantastic job, and you all know, because I have shared this many times from my heart, how much I appreciate him and, of course, James Coker uh, helping us during this time as we've navigated our way through the coronavirus. I'm awed at their ability, but I am blessed because of their availability. And they have given extra, extra hours for us to be able to have this. So uh, I just want to just one more time lift up a praise to the Lord for these guys. And we're looking forward to eventually getting to step three. Right now we're in step two of reopening. And so we're beginning to expand things a little bit. But after the first Sunday, July the 5th, we will move to step three. And in uh, step three, we'll be able to hopefully uh, move our, our early service back to the sanctuary. And that's going to open it up for the ministries of Brian Gillespie and Jason Chris and others who are, are part of making that service go on Sunday morning. So uh, we are excited about that. We should be praying about that and um, just looking forward to just an awesome, awesome Sunday. That, that next Sunday, July the 12th, is going to be very, very important. I'm also delighted to have uh, Brother Terry Camp with us tonight, a.k.a. Bull. He comes, and it's always a joy to have him. I was looking for him to come, and he got here. So I, I rejoice in that as well. I was also blessed today, I want to share this with you, we did return to our Wednesday morning Bible study in the social hall at 11 o'clock. Uh, I didn't realize how much I had actually missed that group. It's an awesome group. And by the way, if you have time, um, we will be meeting every Wednesday at 11 o'clock and uh, be doing Bible study together, having prayer time together. And uh, you can come and join us. We'd love to have you for that. But it was such a blessing today uh, to be with them and uh, get back into that time together. It's a sweet, sweet fellowship with those folks and, and a blessing to me. Um, one of the things we can do in our morning Bible study is that we can take time to go through the prayer list, which is two pages long, because I can hand out a hard copy to them and we can walk through it. Something we cannot do uh, here on Wednesdays by doing this online. So, uh, but the two that I'm getting my most requests from in terms of how are they doing, like how's Bill Stone doing, how is Glenn Hawkins doing, uh, I just want to share with you, I'm just giving God glory. I'm just praising his holy name. Um, as you know, uh, we were very concerned about Bill, and yet uh, God has showed out on his behalf. And uh, I, I sent a text out not long ago this afternoon to say, uh, can you give me an update? And I get this picture back, and he's sitting at the fireplace. So praises to God uh, for what he has done in Bill's life, and I know the family is rejoicing over that as well. Also, Glenn Hawkins did go to the burn center uh, yesterday and got a good report. He is healing, and there's no need to have surgery or any grafts, so we are rejoicing over that. Of course, uh, a burn, he uh, the healing of a burn takes quite a while, so uh, we got to be patient with that. But it's all praiseworthy, 
and we rejoice and want you to continue to be praying for him. I know there's a lot of other needs out there that we need to be lifting up, but uh, right now, uh, we want to bring these before the Lord with our thanksgiving and continue to pray for our country. Uh, as I shared in uh, my To Tell the Truth devotion this morning, um, it seems to me that one of three things or maybe a combination of three things is taking place right now. Uh, either the Lord is shaking us up that he might bring us a spiritual awakening or we're being in, we're in judgment because in our arrogance as a nation we have forsaken him or we're beginning to see what, what Jesus talked about in Matthew 25 as the birth pains uh, of the signs of his coming. And, and it may be a combination of all three. I just know that the answer is, of course, the Lord our God. And so will you join me in your heart as we go to him in prayer and, and give him praise, but also bring our petitions before him. So, Lord God, as we come, we know we're coming before the most high God, the only true living God, the God who is our eternal Father in heaven, the Lord of heaven and earth. And we come in the name of our Lord and Savior, your Son, the one sitting at your right hand, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we come with a heart filled with joy and with praise because, Lord, we have cried out to you and we have seen the movement of your awesome hand. And so we want to give you the glory for that because, uh, Lord, we are reminded afresh in you that you are a God who hears and answers prayer. Of course, there's many others that we need to be bringing before you, Lord, uh, in addition to Bill, in addition to Glenn. And Lord, there's got to be 45 or 50 names on the prayer list that we have front and back. And I just want to, on behalf of the body of Christ, we're coming with one heart, we're coming in one accord, and present all of these to you. Knowing that you have perfect knowledge of their needs, Lord God, whether it be physical, whether it be emotional or spiritual, whatever their need is, and that, Lord, you have the perfect answer because we know it's going to come out of love. Lord, we look at the cross and we are reminded that uh, everything you do in us and through us, everything you do for us is driven by your incredible unconditional love. And so we rejoice in that and we rest in that, uh, Lord God, as we bring these before you and we bring the caregivers of these people before you knowing that you will be their comfort and you will be their strength. And continue to speak to our hearts. Show us ways that we can minister and that we can express your love in the lives of not only these we're praying for, but other people that is in our lives. And then, Lord God, we come with a great burden. You know that. Lord, we see the unrest. So many people are unsettled. So many people are concerned, people dealing with anxieties and fears because, Lord, of everything that is taking place, whether it's the coronavirus or whether it's, Lord, the, the, the uh, things that are going on, the riots that are going on. But, Lord, there are needs here. And, Lord, there are problems here, and the problems exist because we have forsaken you. 
And so, Lord God, uh, it is your people that uh, can bring the answer to America. So we need you to, Lord, strengthen us. We need, Lord, wisdom from you because we know we are called by you to be the light of the world in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're asking you to show mercy upon us as a nation. We're asking you, Lord God, to do uh, the work that you desire to do, whatever that may be, because we know it's exactly what needs to take place. Right now, Lord God, we're asking you to give us ears to hear as we get into your word, that you will speak a personal word to each and every one of us uh, as we look at the scripture and allow you to teach us more uh, Lord, how to imitate your mercy, to express your mercy out of our lives into the lives of others. And so we commit it to you and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to, first of all, Ephesians chapter 5. That's going to be our springboard into our study tonight because it is the basis of this series of studies we're doing uh, on expressing the mercy of God through our lives. But as you turn to Ephesians chapter 5, I also want you to take a moment and also turn to Luke chapter 10. Just keep your finger there or put something there because that's going to become the main passage of our study. So beginning in Ephesians chapter 5 and in verses 1 and 2, just to re remind you of what Paul says in these verses about being imitators of God. So listen carefully again. Verses 1 and 2, Paul writes, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. Listen to this. Walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Paul says we are to imitate. That word imitate means to mimic. In other words, he said there's something about the Lord God, the only true living God, we as followers of Christ should mimic or imitate in our life. And he described it here in this verse as love. Says, he says, and walk in love just as Christ also loved you. But see, when you explore the love of God, there are many facets to this incredible love of God. And the most important facet of that love is his mercy and the mercy that he shows us, the loving kindness that he lavishes upon us. And so if we're going to imitate God, we're going to imitate his love as best we possibly can in the Lord Jesus Christ at the very top of that reality in our lives is got to be showing mercy to others in our life. Now, let me take a moment to remind you of how we define mercy based on Scripture. It's like a two-sided coin. Uh, on, on the one side, it is withholding the punishment that is deserved. God, if we receive what we deserve because of the sin in our lives, uh, then none of us would have any hope. But God in his mercy has withheld uh, the punishment we deserve so that he can offer us salvation. 
So that's one side of mercy. The other side of mercy is lavishing uh, unexpected kindness on someone, not because they deserve it, regardless of whether they deserve it or not, we lavish unexpected kindness upon them. Now, Jesus tells us, and you don't have to turn to this, uh, they, uh, Luke will probably have it up there on the screen, but in Luke chapter 6 and in verse 36, Jesus very clearly uh, says to us that we are to show mercy because our Father in heaven shows mercy. This is verse 36. He says, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. And so in that verse, that's not a suggestion. It's not given as an option. It's given as a command. And so this is something he has commanded us to do. So turning to Luke chapter 10, we're now going to look at the second aspect of mercy, lavishing uh, unexpected kindness on someone. And this is a very familiar story to you. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. You know, it's one of these stories that when we read it, uh, we sometimes we kind of feel guilty because the truth of the matter is we have come in contact with people who are hurting and we have passed by. Uh, as Jesus shares in the parable, the two that passed by, the guy that had been beaten and, and stripped and everything he had stolen from him. So sometimes when we read this, we can feel guilty. But you know, sometimes we're just overwhelmed. There are just so many needs around us. So what are we supposed to do? Well, that's what we're going to be looking at here in Luke chapter 10. And I want to read the story uh, beginning in verse 30, and then I want to go back and share some things with you. So beginning in verse 30 of Luke chapter 10, the scripture says this, Jesus replied and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers and they stripped him and beat him and went away leaving him half dead. And by chance a priest was going down on the road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. And he came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them, and put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him and whatever more you spend when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think, Jesus was asking, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And the man answered, the one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. As we began looking at the different marks of mercy in our lives, last week we looked at forgiving those who had failed us. Tonight we're looking at helping those who are hurting. 
And using this story, I want us to approach it uh, uh, or really focus on two things. First of all, our attitude toward the hurting. You see, this story, this parable that Jesus gives us mentions three men, and these three men represent uh, the three most common attitudes towards those who are hurting. And I want us to look at them before we go any further uh, into the story itself. So first of all, attitude number one is uninterested uninterested. Notice again what it says in verses 30 and 31. Jesus replied and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among the robbers and they stripped him and beat him and went away leaving him half dead. And by chance a priest was going down on that road and when he saw him he passed by on the other side. This priest, this man had absolutely no intention on getting involved with that other man's problem. And we have a lot of people. We have them in our churches, unfortunately. We have them in our communities. We have them where we work uh, a lot of times who have absolutely no intention in getting involved in any other person's problems or any other person's needs that they have. They just kind of have this attitude, look, that's your problem, it's not mine, I'm not interested, I'm here simply to just take care of myself. What a shame it is that that is true, but it is true. We're so consumed with ourselves, there are people out there that just says, look, I don't want to get my hands dirty with you, I'm just going to take care of myself, you got to take care of yourself. I'm not going to get involved. Just absolutely uninterested in helping people who are hurting. Of course, here's something I have found quite interesting about those who do not want to get involved in other people's problems who are hurting. When they have problems and they're hurting, they're hoping somebody's going to come and get involved with them. It's kind of a spirit of hypocrisy in their life. And you've probably seen that, I've seen that a lot. And so that's an attitude that seems to prevail in our country and in our culture right now. So there's that attitude number one, just totally uninterested. But then there's attitude number two, I call this unavailable. And to be perfectly honest with you, I think this person's attitude is actually worse than the first person's attitude. Now, here's what the scripture says in uh, Luke chapter 10 and in verse 32. I'm reading from the New American Standard, and it says, Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. The New International Version has it the same way. But the King James Version and the New Living Translation, which is not the Living Bible, this is the New Living Translation, both it and the King James has a phrase you don't find in the New American Standard, and it says that he went over and looked at the man. 
You say, well, why is there a difference? Because there are hundreds and hundreds of manuscripts out there that are used for these translations, and it just determines which manuscript you actually were using, the main manuscripts you were using for that translation. But, you know, when you think about it, that adds a new dimension because we see this also in our lives. Just like if you're driving down the road and there's been a wreck, you know, on the road or on the interstate and everybody's having to slow down to a crawl mainly because of the rubbernecking that is going on. You know what I'm talking about, Bull? You know, everybody, they want to know the details. And that's what this Levite was. Here's a man, he wanted to know the details. He just wasn't going to be part of the answer. He wasn't going to be part of, of helping that person. He just wanted the details. Why is that? Well, if you know the details, you can talk about it. You're talking about, did you see what happened? Did you see what, what happened to Bull in his life, you know? And, and so this is the group, listen to me carefully, this is the group where you find most of the gossipers because they're nosy enough to want to know the details. They just don't want to be part of the answer. And, and they don't want, they're not available. They're unavailable to get in and get their hands dirty to help that person, but they certainly want to talk about what has happened to that person and their understanding or their opinion of why. And, and so we have these type of people. We have those who are absolutely uninterested. We have those who want to know the details, but they're unavailable. But praise God, we got a third group, and it's a third attitude, and I'm calling it unusual. And I say that almost with a spirit of shame in the sense where, especially as followers of Christ, it shouldn't be unusual. But truth of the matter is, for the most part, it is. Not to say that there's not a lot of followers of Christ. I could give you, for those who are in the family here at Washington Baptist Church and you're listening right now and, and then to the friends that are connecting with us and got started connecting with us, I, I can give you testimony after testimony of many, many in this fellowship that uh, would fit in the category of unusual. There are Sunday school classes. There are uh, men's groups. There are, there are a lot of people. So I praise the Lord for that. But in the big picture... The Good Samaritan was unusual. Scripture says in verse 33, but a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. Touched his heart. And so that loving kindness began to rise up. That, that unexpected kindness began to flow out of him. The mercy of God was being expressed through him. And this is the attitude that we should have. It's the attitude of Christ. It's the reason he came uh, to die on the cross for us. Let me remind you of a Philippians chapter 2. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 and Beginning in verse 5, you, you probably remember, of course, uh, this passage and what it says about Christ to us. But beginning in verse 5 of Philippians 2, Paul writes that um, 
He says, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men. For what purpose? So that he could go to the cross and extend the greatest expression of mercy and love and grace that can possibly be extended to us. And that's the attitude we should have. It's the attitude that the good Samaritan had. Now, what's fascinating about this to me is that he chose to use a Samaritan as the one who was responding in a godly way, that was actually imitating God and his love. Why? Because the Jews hated the Samaritans. They were divided by race. Wow. Is that an issue we have today? They were divided by religion. That's another issue today that we don't talk about much. They were also divided by region. You may recall on one occasion when Jesus and disciples were, were, were walking and going on a journey and Jesus wanted to go through Samaria and, and the, the disciples didn't want to go through. Why? Because they were Jews and you didn't, you didn't step foot on Samaritan soil because Samaritans lived there. And so Jesus chose the one that would be most unlikely in their heart and mind to represent what it means to imitate God, his love, by showing mercy. Uh, unexpected and undeserved, I may add, kindness on someone else, especially someone who is hurting. Well, as we begin to unfold that, I want to move to the second part of our study. Having looked at our attitudes toward the hurting, now let's take a few moments and talk about our actions toward those who are hurting. Now we're just going to unfold what we see in the life of this good Samaritan here. And there's four things I want you to write down. You may want to call them steps if you want to, but it's four realities that you'll see when someone driven by the love of God is lavishing mercy upon someone who is hurting. The first thing I want you to write down is you need to see the need. You need to see the need. You see, I think the difference, I don't think there's any question to it, we go back to this, something happened there, Luke? I don't know. But anyhow, when we go back to our text here, thank you for fixing that for us right quickly. We go back to the text here that we're looking at in verse 33. It says, but a Samaritan who was on the journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. A totally different response of the other two guys, who, by the way, were Jews, who ignored the need of a Jew. And, but this Samaritan comes by and his response is totally different because I believe he didn't just see the man, he saw the need and he had compassion. I, I want to remind you what the scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 
and uh, in, in, I mean, chapter 10 and verse 24. Look at this with me. Chapter 10, verse 24, and the scripture says, let no one seek his own good, but that of his neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Whomever comes into your life. Whoever is there, <clears throat> everybody you see every day potentially is a divine appointment from God. And what we need to do is see the need. Well, this was obvious. He could see where he was beaten. He could see where he was bruised. He could see that this man had been stripped and obviously robbed. But let's be honest. There's a lot of people out there hurting, and you can't see that need on the surface. They're beaten, and they're bruised, not physically, but emotionally, some even spiritually because of Satan's attack in their life, others because of <clears throat> the, atti excuse me, the attitude and actions and rejections of others. You know, I grew up just like you, and I heard the old saying over and over as a child, and, and you know what I'm fixing to say probably, You've heard it. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, that was a huge lie, wasn't it? Because words do hurt. They are powerful. And, and so there are times in my life, I wish somebody was throwing a stone at me or trying to hit me with a stick because they have, they have hit me with words that hurt me to the core. And there are a lot of people out there that is dealing with the same thing and other hurts as well. So here's what we need to do. We need to pray. We need to pray and ask God to open up our eyes and, and make us sensitive so that we can see the needs of the people that are around us. And so the first thing I want you to write down is you got to see the need. The second thing I want you to write down is you got to sympathize with the person. Sympathize with the person. We say, well, how do you do that? Well, just take a moment and reflect upon what has happened in your life and how people have comforted you and how God comforts you. So would you take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Corinthians? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and I want us to look in, in, in uh, verses 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Listen to this uh, with me. He says, blessed be, beginning in verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any, any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And so we just look at our own experiences, how people stepped up and comforted us. God used them in our life. God himself, through the power of his Holy Spirit, comforted us when we were hurting and let that be the basis of how we respond to others. has nothing to do with who they are, where they come from, what has happened in their life, what has not happened. Maybe they're there because of their own choices, 
But the issue is we are to sympathize with their pain, with their hurting, so that we can be used of God to comfort them. Here's what Paul says in Galatians chapter 6 and in verse 2, uh, talking about how we are to respond uh, to those who are hurting and those that we uh, are trying to help. He says in verse 2, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Now, I want to ask you, and of course, I can't hear you respond, except for maybe Bull over here, but I want to ask you this question. What is the law of Christ? Well, let me just give it to you. The verse that you're probably going to see up on the screen is Matthew 22, 39. That's the last verse. Let me give you the 37, 36 just to set that one up for you, okay? Jesus is answering the question, what is the greatest commandment of all? You've heard this, haven't you? The love the Lord our God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And the second is like it to love, this is verse 39, to love your neighbor as yourself. And so we need to see the need and we need to also uh, sympathize with the person. The third thing I want you to write down as we look at how the Samaritan responded, and that is we need to seize the moment. I mean, this man immediately went to work. As we go to our text, it says in verse 34, and he came to him and he bandaged up his wounds and pouring oil and wine on them, and he put him on his own beast and he brought him to an end, and he took care of him. He didn't waste any time. He immediately began to, to, to minister to this guy. He didn't say, I tell you what, uh, I will do what I can later. Let me go finish my journey. I'll come back. If you're still alive, I'll take care of you. And he said, well, that would have been ridiculous. Well, yes. But how many times something similar to that has happened in our lives? We're aware of a need. And maybe we got some resources, maybe not everything they need, but we got something we can share. There's something we can do. And we say, well, you know what? I'm so busy right now. I I'm going to deal with that later. And you know as well as I do, later most of the time means never. Let me give you this passage out of Proverbs because I think it's so incredibly important. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 27 uh, through 28. Proverbs 3, 27 through 28. Solomon writes this, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, Go and come back and tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. You may not have everything. Your resources may not be much, but you seize the moment to do what you can do. And this man immediately did that. Took whatever resources he had and started taking care of this man. So we see, need to see the need we need to sympathize with the person. We need to seize the moment. And then lastly, we need to spend what is needed.
Look at it as Jesus tells it, verse 35. On the next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. And whatever more you spend when I return, I will repay you. Kindness will cost you. Mercy comes with sacrifices. That could be our resources. That's often going to involve our time. It, it cost Jesus all of his glory. He had to set aside all of his glory just to come so that he could lavish kindness and mercy upon us through the cross. And so, when we are imitating God, imitating his love, by allowing him to bless others through us, through mercy, it's probably going to cost you something that you have, something that you got to do, and maybe you got to set it aside so you can meet the need at the moment. But let me remind you what God says out of Isaiah 58. If you just take your Bibles and turn, I'm going to close with this. Isaiah chapter 58, verses 10 and 11. How is God going to respond when we see the need, when we sympathize with the person, when we seize the moment, when we spend whatever we can spend, what we have to be able to meet that need, whatever resources or time we have, how is God going to respond to that? Listen to this. Isaiah 58, verses 10 and 11. He says, and if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desires of the afflicted, those who are hurting that as you meet their need, you do everything you can to meet their need. Then your light will rise in darkness and your gloom will become the midday. And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones and you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. You've heard me say and others say many times, you can't outgive God. Folks, you can't out, cannot outmercy God. Uh, as we give of our lives, we give of our resources, we give of our time, we choose to imitate God's love through mercy, seeing the need, sympathizing with the person, seizing the moment, spending, using whatever resources we have as an expression of the love of God, God in turn is going to bless you immeasurably, not just with peace and joy, but as he says, your life will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Here we are at a time where our country desperately needs someone to demonstrate the love of God and to demonstrate his mercy. This is the greatest light that we can show them. And we need to shine brightly in the name 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you join me in prayer? Father, Lord God, we come. Thank you again for the mercy you lavish upon us. We recognize that it's undeserved. We recognize that you are lavishing your loving kindness on us straight from your heart. No conditions, just straight from your heart because you are God of mercy and you have commanded us to be merciful. So Lord God, continue to teach us how to forgive those who have failed us and now how to help those who are hurting. Thank you for your word. Go with us now, I ask in Jesus' name, amen.